no offense to Samuel L. Jackson, but this moment, he wants to have is a time to kill moment where he like yells, yes, I raped her and it was sexy and, and like, it was fun. And I do that. And I do it again. Do it again. Absolutely. That's what he wants to do. Hello and welcome everyone one and all to the habituation room show once again here on a tuesday um or wednesday or thursday or sunday whenever you're listening to this podcast so glad to have you here so glad you decided to press play to not be alone you know if i can keep you company we can keep you company hey we've done our job as a podcast that's really what it is i mean that's there are asmr podcasts y'all um, that will, that is what this is going to turn into when my brain eventually turns to mush from all the news. Uh, but that being said, there is quite a lot to cover today. Uh, yeah, Trump is a predator. He is like a, like a legally defined predator, sexual abuser. There we go. Okay. That's something. Can he, can he just have to wear like a cone around his hands and his like his head and his small, you know what I'm saying? Can that? Can we we'll figure it out. We'll figure out what actual punishment uh, beyond the actual uh, damages that he is being now. Um, he's going to have to fork over to E. Jean Carroll, but we'll get into all that. Um, super excited because uh, comedian Jenny Yang is here. You guys, it's been a while. I've Jenny has been on the show before. Glad to have her back. A striking Jenny Yang. So uh, we'll get into that a little bit. Uh, as well as Ro Timmy Adioye. I'm going to get that right. Timmy Adioye, who is a communication strategist with the ACLU, coming in the habituation room, talking about what's going on with the youth vote. Gen Z is going to be a massive force to be reckoned with unless the GOP does what they do best and suppress the vote. So we're going to talk about that. Obviously, some Clarence Thomas news. And then finally, king shit, y'all. Okay, there's a new king over there. Oh, oh, you know, in the place, the palace and the things he's got the stuff anyway. Uh, but what is real king shit? OK, real king shit is not a monarchy. What is real king shit? So if you think about that. My guests will think about that. And we're going to talk about what is real king shit for in your life, in your interpersonal life, in the world. What's king shit to you? Um, that being said, if you're here, hey, like and subscribe to this channel right now. Right now, if you're here listening as a podcast, make sure you give this podcast five stars on iTunes, on Apple Podcasts. That helps people find us or on Spotify or, or, or Stitcher. Um, and yeah, that would be amazing. And if you didn't know, there's not just a Tuesday show, guys. There's also a Friday show. It's called The Bonus Bish. And it is available to all people uh, live, 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern. And if you missed a show you can always become a patron and listen back. So patreon.com slash room is where you go. Uh, you can listen back to the content. It's just a solo hour of me unless, and recently we had a really great discussion on Marianne Williamson, um, unless I'm joined by a guest. In that case, I was. Uh, two, two gentlemen from the Conspirituality podcast, and it was so good. So if you missed that, go back and listen to it. Last week also had a fun little cry. If you miss me uh, crying live on air, hey, become a patron. Uh, that's what happens when you talk about, um, you know, the vigilante murder of someone like Jordan Neely, um, who, you know, committed the crime of being poor and hungry and uh, an incredible dancer 
and performer. So yeah. Uh, anyway, patreon.com slash habituation room. You get so many perks, merch perks, um, discounts, as well as discounts on a paper version of the American Prospect. I write, I've written uh, the, the column for this next issue. Here's something I wrote about uh, a House GOP hearing, um, a committee to investigate Hunter Biden's dick, basically. That's what this, it's a joke. It's all a joke. It's joke jokes. Sometimes we laugh. Anyway, uh, get that. You get access to that. You get access to the digital version. All the things. And if you don't want to become a patron, what's wrong with you? But also, you can tip the show, TBR-Live on Venmo, TBR-Live on Cash App. And with that, guys, let's get into it. Get your bitch caps on and (laughs) let's do it. This is What Are You Bitching About? Okay, so um, I'm bitching about something very specific, and it is sort of the three-prong in the, like, nasty, dirty, like, fork that was found in a garden (laughs) of the Christian right. Like, this is what they're doing. It's, you know, taking away reproductive rights. Um, It is, um, like... Well, what's the second one? God, I don't know. It's it's, it's targeting LGBTQ people. Um, and then the third, maybe it's just two. The third piece of this, however, is fully controlling women in all aspects of their lives. And that is trying to get rid of no-fault divorce. This means that normally in all 50 states right now, when you want to get a divorce, you don't have to prove in a court of law that that person was unfaithful, that person was abusive. You don't have to bring like witnesses. You don't have to do anything. You just say, you know what? Not feeling it. You know what I'm saying? Like I, you know, married you and like, you're not really doing your share and this partnership is not really working out. Case in point, I am a divorcee. I'm remarried now, but that happened to me. Perfect terms with my ex-husband, but you know, we gave it a good college try that being you know almost almost four years three years and then we dropped out the point is he's a good friend but yeah you, you don't want to be stuck with someone for the rest of your life now that was a best case scenario what republicans want however is for that to go away in order for them to continue to control abuse scare women into submission into being uh their honestly like servants right And you saw that evidenced by the fact that Steven Crowder just the other week was yammering on and complaining that in Texas, you can, you know, have a no-fault divorce. You can just want to have a divorce. Now, that being said, if you saw the videos of Steven Crowder berating his wife, you probably think there's a good reason. The difference is, if he doesn't necessarily lay hands on her and this no-fault divorce goes away, then she might not be able to file for divorce. Like not being at your children's birth is not a cause legally for divorce. It definitely is among friends and just in, you know, polite human decence, like people who, you know, have mirrors in their homes. But Texas is actually looking at getting rid of that. The Texas GOP has put that in their platform to get rid of no fault divorce. Same with Louisiana. They're looking into it. Same with Nebraska, y'all. It is coming. It's not enough that you can't get, have bodily autonomy. You can't decide when you want to be a parent or be a parent again or have a third kid or a second kid or whatnot. No, no, no. You must now 
stay with, you know, I don't know, maybe just some dude who doesn't have a lot of ambition. You know what I'm saying? So this is what it is. This is what it's come to. And again, once this, all the pieces are put back together, it's like the fifth element, you know, and uh, suddenly uh, men will, they will grow two inches on their dicks. And, and, you know, once they put women in the home and fully control their bodies, and then they will be granted the power that, you know, two more inches, you know, limp as hell, but it'll be there. You know what I'm saying? Uh, anyway, that's what I'm bitching about. Cause um, you know, this country is going to shit and uh, we're letting disgusting rich men run it all. And right now, Mifepristone is in the courts. Right now it's in the Fifth Circuit Court. This is, of course, the abortion pill. And uh, three of those, no, all three of the judges on that court of appeals are Trump appointed. So tight, tight, tight. It's going to be bad. It's going to be bad. At least let us leave your asses, please. I beg of you. Uh, interestingly, two-thirds of all heterosexual divorces in the, uni- in the United States are initiated by w- the women. Yeah. Yeah. We know when to call it quits. We know, we, we know we still got it. We know we could still find someone. All right? You, on the other hand, not so sure. Just kidding. I mean, this is nothing about me personally. I love my ask- ex. He's, like, with someone. He's, like, been with a lot. Anyway, we, we don't have to talk about this. We're- Let's move on, guys. Let me bring in my guest. She's a former labor organizer herself, turned stand-up comedian, turned writer and actor and member of the WGA. Jenny Yang, welcome to the program. Hello, hello. I'm so excited to be in the bituation room. Yes, uh, welcome. I feel like your, your, your opening inspired me. Maybe I should start an OnlyFans account where I just cry. <laughs> <laughs> Is there a market for people who just want to see women cry? Yeah, I think, I mean, yes. Doesn't that already exist? I feel like definitely there's some like, you know, (laughs) Japanese app that like you can just tune in to watch people cry and then you cry together. Right. It's like allows you some. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. It's like the Shiv Roy room of apps too. Mm. Where she. Shiv Roy room. I don't know if you're up to date on Succession where she has to cry. She has to schedule her cries. Yes, I do. I do. I remember that. You're right. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm not saying it, that I haven't done that in my life before, so no judgment. <laughs> <laughs> Jenny, I wanted to ask you, I wanted to basically orchestrate what you're bitching about. Sure. Um, because I know you've been on the picket line. Um, I have been. With, just with some dope, uh, we don't actually have the photo of you, but with some incredible signs, signage on point. Thank you. Um, My sign says, um, give up just one yacht. (laughs) That's really, that was my point. You know, it's interesting because right now is when we're getting a lot of disclosures, financial disclosures on how much the CEOs of these major media corporations made last year. And it's, I mean, Bernie Sanders tweet, I think it's like eight of the top paid executives in Hollywood made 800 million. Um, That's combined. And it's like, off of the writer's labor, off of this, con- like, every single line that we love and repeat in, you know, mm. our favorite shows, um, the reason that we tune in. But anyway, I wanted to get your take on this. What do you what do you make of what what should people understand about the strike if they don't already? And we're I don't know. What are your thoughts on it right now? Yeah. You know what? When you're like, Jenny, bitch about the writer's strike, I was like, easy, um, because 
I feel like we're striking for all the reasons why workers should be striking, period. Like, I wish we were burning rubbish on the streets like France, like we were mm. doing, that we had the ability to call a general strike, you know? But right now, there's only certain pockets of America that still is unionized, right? And and one of them is in the entertainment industry. And what's what's so annoying is, like, people who are trying to compare us or our pay or whatever to other people no it doesn't matter literally these corporations own everything not just entertainment they own your toothpaste they own your you know security company they own your janitorial service like every one of these one percenters want to push down all of our earnings and wages yes exploit us it's the thievery of millions we give them as writers as workers so much value and all we're asking for is that the least of us at least have enough money to pay bills. I'm mm -hmm. very fortunate. I can make money off of TV writing. I can make money off of acting and stand-up comedy and producing my own things. So I am not one of those people necessarily that is like very upset about how there's all these mini rooms and all these, you know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? In terms of mm -hmm. like, mm -hmm. these are, a lot of what they're trying to do is pushing downward pressure to, to make sure that most people don't have enough. Does that make yes. sense? So, so to me, no, it does. I, and I, that, yeah, go no finish, please. Yeah. And so, you know, for me, it's like, we are not asking for much. This is like any other industry out there. We're just saying we are doing the grunt work for you and we are creating stories and worlds um, in TV writing and film, and you are making billions of dollars off of us. Let mm -hmm. us be able to pay our bills. You know, that's yeah. all we're saying. And frankly, with the whole sign that says, you know, I just said, give up just one yacht. This is not an over-exaggeration. We just got a report on the New York Post that Jeff Bezos' Amazon yacht, his personal yacht, it's a super yacht that costs $500 million. There's a helipad on it. So yeah. that $500 million can actually pay for, and then some, all the things we were asking for, for all of the writers in the contract, in a multi-year contract, that yeah. one super yacht. And so it's not an exaggeration to just say, listen, 1%, maybe you don't need that super yacht. Maybe share some of the wealth so that everyone can spread it amongst the writers so yes. that especially those of us who are just starting out, who are lower level, um, are able to make a living. Yes. You know? So so that that to me is the main bitch for, for, I think for the writer strike today. <laughs> and, and and we're going to, you know, we're going to go into it on, on a future episode because I think yeah. it will continue. Um, and we, we don't have all the time in the world, but I do want to compare it to, you know, we just talked about the UPS potential strike and that UPS uh -huh. unionized workers with the Teamsters actually make a really good salary. Right. Yeah. But the problem is, is that they're also. Uh, new workers who are being hired under bullshit contracts that are sort of making everyone's job more precarious and dividing the workforce. Same with writers. It's like, yes. no, they're not the lowest on the totem pole that is Hollywood, right? We all, right. you know, like production assistants and whatnot. Like, you know, there's a lot of people who need to feed and do. But if writers don't take this stand, then again, no. you're saying the downward pressure, it just keeps on trickling down. So there will be less and less and less. And it will be rendered a gig economy in the ways that they're trying to gigify everything, everything. delivery drivers and, you know, and as in the case of UPS. Yeah. So it's, it's weird because it's like, 
you know, Hollywood glitz and glam. Jenny, you've been on the red carpet, you know, you, you've done amazing things, but it's like, at the end of the day, it's still an industry. At the end of the day, it's like the kind there's, of the, the shine work. comes off. Yeah. The shine comes off. It's work. <laughs> so, so, and, and it's great because it's like, it's good to demystify that for folks who are like, no, everyone's just like living high on the hawk. No, a few people are living high on the hawk. Yes, very much. Just a small percentage. Just a small percent. Anyway. Um, yeah, there's, there's a lot more we could get into, but thank you for, and everyone just like, you can also join a picket line. Yeah. Uh, I've been meaning to, so I'd hope to get out there, uh, with the baby and, and yeah, anyway, you know, if you just, can't I, join the fit picket line physically, just let me add, you know, if you're not in Los Angeles, please search on your favorite search website, um, uh, entertainment community fund, go to donate, go to the drop down menu and designate film and television. And actually that will help to pay for a uh, strike relief for uh, crew and writers. Yes. So film and TV entertainment community fund. Um, and then uh, just follow us on Twitter and Instagram. A lot of us who are either strike captains or, you know, WGA members who are sharing a lot of the information, you know, if you're into like that, like on the ground, direct action shit, like, Go and follow us because some of us might be able to DM you where to go at like 4 a.m. or 5 a.m. to like disrupt a production. Yeah. Yeah. More bodies willing to Absolutely. wake up. That That's early. great. All right. Maybe we can put that link. <laughs> we'll put that link in the in the description for show. Um, yes. But let me bring in my next guest, communication strategist for the American Civil Liberties Union and an opinion columnist for the Daily Beast, Ro Timmy Adeoye. Yo, Hi. what's up? How's it going? <laughs> Happy to be in the habituation room. Welcome. Very nice, nice, cozy room here. Nice digs, right? <laughs> love um, it, love it. Uh, thank you so much for being here. Uh, there's no a problem. lot going on. We're going to cover a lot, but Ro Timmy, what are you bitching about right now? <sighs> um... First thing that came to my mind, um, I don't know if there's a name for this group of like dudes online, but the AI hype beast crew is like <laughs> really getting to me. Um, for context, I don't use TikTok too much. Like every couple months, I'll download it and I'll like just like go on it and I'll just because I love it too much or like get way too addicted. But um, the other day I like <laughs> downloaded it, it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I got like a, like ten videos of dudes just being like. If you're not making a hundred thousand dollars on AI technology right now, you are failing in life. And then just like seeing the comments being like, "Man, I'm trying to make this like Chat GBT work," and it's like you tell Chat Chat GBT to do anything, and it like doesn't know it's left from its right half the time. So I think I'm just tired of like people like overhyping technology that's going to be good one day. Like I definitely am not going to like sit here and say that it's not going to be important, but trying to hype it up for people. Yeah, for them to get something out of it that's not even there yet is like just wrong and I think extremely misleading. I agree with you. There's so much to say about this AI stuff, but really, it's also talk about downward pressure. I feel like the whole grind set mindset hustle culture of TikTok is nothing but like, hey, 20 year olds who decided to forego college because it's way too expensive, and you know, why don't you just try to get rich off of like some quick shit you know, that someone explained in three minutes, you know what I mean? And they're, they're like, oh, okay, I've got to. And it's just like this, it's so sad to me that that's the future is like, let me just get rich off of something as quick as possible. I mean, crypto was the same. And I think a lot of people are like, well, damn, if I didn't, it's too bad I didn't invest, you know, although now they're, we're thanking ourselves, at least for me, I'm like, well, good <laughs> luck with all that, you know, but some people really did make a, a ton of money. Um, mm-hmm. 
anyway, Jenny, I don't know. I mean, there's also the, 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 the specter of AI writing everything, but I've said this before, Jenny, and I want to tell you AI, there was a guy at Google who I was on a panel with and he told me that AI cannot be funny. Like they can tell a joke <laughs> yeah. that, that you've fed it before. Like they could probably steal all of our jokes. You feed all of our sets in there, boom, 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 boom. They could steal it. Yes. It's it a plagiarism machine. That's what exactly. it is. So yes. so I think yeah. I think we need to make it very clear that AI is not creative. It is not generative out of nothing. It draws from the internet, whatever we give it, you know? And so we need to stop feeding it, number one. And number two, we should call it what it is, which is a plagiarism machine. So mm. spread the word, call it a plagiarism machine. It is not artificial intelligence. It is not intelligent, okay? <laughs> it gets, it's a calculator. It's a glorified calculator. Absolutely. Uh, but yeah, and and no, there's other ways to make money. Oh my God. Yeah, <laughs> it's, oh, man, it's like also sad because then you see a lot of, you know, you see a couple kids in there. They're just like, Generally, I think a lot of, you know, your early 20s, like coming out of college, I think is a really confusing time for a lot of people. And people are trying to figure out what they want to do. And then you have someone that's online blasting in your face that I made $10,000 at a month. So it's like, oh, right. obviously, why wouldn't I try that? Right. Um, and then, you know, people kind of, I think, you know, they waste a lot of time doing things that are really just a trap. Um, and it's just annoying. It's annoying. You know, I'm, I'm not denying the truth behind your bitch about AI or just, you know, the people who want mm -hmm. to just like get rich quick. But I think to me, the deeper analysis of that is it's people who don't have access to capital or people who don't have access to making money who mm -hmm. want to feel the same way that all these people up top get to feel, which is, I don't really need to do much value or use for the world and I can make money. People who are not rich enough, who are like more working class, I feel like to imagine that kind of fantasy is amazing. What? I can just mm. like get rich from like buying crypto or doing NFTs, like stuff that it's like make-believe. That's the shit that like the right. people who rule the world get to feel. That kind of Or power. sitting on their asses. I mean, mm -hmm. they mostly yeah. it's just like watching their assets appreciate and you're just like, exactly. oh, cool. This is there's easy. no use. There's no investment in actual sweat equity, right? It's just, yeah. it's a right. game, and we get to game it. And so, mm -hmm. I feel like that is the impulse. I'm not saying it's it's good, but the, I feel like there's an impulse for people who do day trading, who do all of these things. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah, no. There's yeah. definitely. I think it's a like uh, it's kind of like the whole. I think there's a big problem with the American dream nowadays. Yeah. I think where it's like definitely, I think possible to become successful. And I think possible to you know have a life set up for yourself in the future but i think a lot of people they aren't going to reach that because of the way our country set up so you have people out there that are feeding this belief that you can just become you know uh jeff bezos or as donald trump says tim apple um or anyone that's really you know successful just by like you know clicking your heels twice and simply being an american it's not true because our country isn't set up to help people you want yeah. the rich person pass. You want to get out, you know, you want to yes. get out of capitalism free. Um, and like, it doesn't work that way. And most of us will not do that. But you want to be like in our bucket of crabs. You want to be that king crab. that's just like, you know, um, and that's really sad. But that's effectively what it is, is like everyone in power you see. It's just like, oh, you just have the wealth to, you know. Uh, not be held accountable. Speaking of not being held accountable, let's Ooh. move on to the week where so many different things happen, but only two stories in my book. Okay, so this is the week where uh, just in, before we went live, uh, a, a New York jury found 
President Donald, former President Donald Trump, thank you, uh, liable for abusing, sexually abusing writer E. Jean Carroll um, in the 1990s. The jury awarded her $5 million in damages for her battery and defamation claims. And this on the like, sort of the many different ways or the, the different charges or, or what they could have found him guilty on, this was sort of the lowest of the rung. So what he was found guilty on sexual assault, assault. or sexually mm -hmm. abusing her, but not rape. They didn't scary they didn't. the word rape. Yeah. Willing. It's kind of like the word abortion. Like I know it makes you feel uncomfortable. Think about how it actually feels when you aren't able to get one and, or it happens to you. Right. Like, yes. Um, we could just say it, but, but so, you know, I'm even surprised that they didn't completely let him off the hook. There were six men and three women on this jury. Um, I think it's an interest, especially guys and you just tell me, let me take you through the deposition, all right? Ugh. We know, we know E. Jean Carroll's side of the story. Um, she had two friends testify to the fact that she was raped. She called them immediately after. Um, everything was sort of flirty and normal until he pushed her and into a dressing room, banging her head, and then raped her. Um, and yeah, so that's, that's the story. Here's his side, y'all. Here's when he was being deposed. Um, this is what happened. The first thing is he's going to talk about the Access Hollywood tapes. And oh my God, if if there's no other proof that this man is a raging misogynist a-hole, <laughs> like he has no regrets. Listen to him talk about those, the Trump, uh, the Hollywood Access tapes. Here we go. And you say, and again, this has become very famous in this video. I just start kissing them. It's like a magnet. Just kiss. I don't even wait. And when you're a star, they let you do it. You can do anything. Grab them by the pussy. You can do anything. That's what you said, correct? Well, historically, that's true with stars. It's true with stars that, that they can grab women by the pussy? Well, that's what it's. If you look over the last million years, I guess that's been largely true. Not always, but largely true. Unfortunately or fortunately. And you consider yourself uh, to be a star? I think you can say that, yeah. <laughs> what a tool! What an absolute... The fortunately or unfortunately bag. part, like, Ugh. is so bad. Uh, yeah. I will never forgive this country for electing that man. Like, it's actually so embarrassing that he yeah. was president at yes. the time that he was, and then he could actually be president again. Um, yes. And that's just the scariest shit ever. I mean, this is the other thing. It's like, don't you think if you're finally accused of, you know, sexual abuse and defamation, you should probably be barred from running for office again? But no, again, political office is the last place that predators can still be employable. Um, but my God, the, la the lack of remorse and the pride. It's yeah. not that he said that and was like, oh, geez, I shouldn't have said that out loud. It was like, no, no, no. Don't you think I'm famous enough to grab women by the pussy? <laughs> yeah, Amazing. it's the entitlement, but it's also how awful he is at debate in that he's like, well, you know, everyone else does it. Like, that's right. his reasoning. He's like, in all of history. For millions famous, of years. When you're a star, that's what everyone does. The million eons. In fact, really, um, the, the universe was formed um, when a when a uh, a ball of fire touched a black hole it grabbed that black hole you know and it and then it was like oh my god that 
that ball of fire, but he's but he's on fire, you know. Therefore, big bang. Big bang, exactly. Um, just just so ridiculous. Okay, so that's one. Imagine you're a jury, you watch that, you're like, oh, this man is an unrepentant, you know, uh like creep. And then he misidentifies um E. Jean Carroll in a photo for his, he mistakes her for his wife. And the reason that matters is because he consistently has said that E. Jean Carroll's not his type, not his type, not his type. That's why he wouldn't rape her. Of course, you can basically orchestrate that into saying, I only rape people who I'm attracted to. Sweet. So here we go. This is the moment he misidentifies uh, E. Jean Carroll as his former wife, Marla Maples. It's Marla. You're saying Marla's in this photo? That's Marla, yeah. That's, that's my wife. Which woman are you pointing to? No. Here. Oh, that, the person oh, okay. you just pointed to was oh, Eugene Carroll. Who is that? Who is this? Point your wife. <laughs> 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 this he always is... tells on himself. He exactly. always tells on himself. That's the this thing. This is exactly what he did during... I remember, like, January 6th, they were, like... I think he was talking about, like what happened and he was like yeah I, I i sent them there it's like that's what we've been actually debating this whole time is who sent them there so thanks for just saying that you actually sent all the protesters to the capitol because we're all wondering i mean we obviously knew it was you but thanks for admitting it like everything right, else you've done. right imagine just being like look i've made a lot of jokes about rudy giuliani and his drinking habits but you gotta be drunk to represent this man like, there's no other way to be his lawyer. You have, you need a handle a day, at least just to get through. Cause you're just like coaching him, like, please don't just don't say it. You know, just, just, just <laughs> like say as little as possible. Yes or no. Rape is wrong. Rape is wrong. Rape is wrong. Right. Remember, remember, remember. <laughs> um, and like, you didn't do it. And everyone, like, oh. And then, so yeah. So there he is misidentifying her. And it's incredible because it's like, it's kind of like that grandpa moment where you're like, no, grandpa, that's not. It's like a, it's like if grandpa's looking at a family photo and like his granddaughter's there and he's like, oh, look at that piece of ass. And you're like, no, sh God, oh God, no, that's your granddaughter or you know, something. That's exactly awful. something Trump would do. That is exactly <laughs> right. something Trump would do. Totally. He's probably done it, daughter. to be honest. So. <laughs> to his own daughter. Um, and then finally, and I think some of the, probably the most disgusting thing, and I apologize, I'm subjecting everyone to this, but he, he claims, um, based on an interview that E. Jean Carroll did with uh, Anderson Cooper on CNN a few years ago, when this all first started, um, he watched that interview and thought that she was making an argument that rape is hot and sexy. I think the the what she was actually talking about was that we, in sort of fictionalizing rape, we uh, somehow imagined that a rape fantasy exists. Like, no, man, that... An orgasm fantasy exists for everyone out there, just so you know. Anyway, uh, here here he is in, in probably the worst moment of all this whole deposition. She actually indicated that she loved it, okay? She loved it until commercial break. In fact, I think she said it was sexy, didn't she? It was very sexy to be raped. Didn't she say that? So, sir, I just want to confirm. It's your testimony that E. Jean Carroll said that she loved being sexually assaulted by you? Well, based on her interview with Anderson Cooper, I believe that's what took place. And you, we can we can define that. You'll have to show that. I'm sure you're going to show that. But she was interviewed by Anderson Cooper, and I think she said that rape was sexy, which it's not, by the way. But I think she said that rape was sexy, and...
He he just wants to keep on saying rape is sexy, and I'm just <laughs> I want now I want to drink. I just want to just guzzle. That is so. There he was, and guys, this is what his jury. This jury watched all that entire deposition. This man is clearly a rapist. He obviously raped her. He's saying he's basically saying. You know what he wants to say? He wants to say he wants to have his like not like no offense to Samuel L. Jackson, but this moment he wants to have is a time to kill moment where he like yells, "Yes, I raped her, and it was sexy, and and like it was fun." And I do that. And I do it again. Do it again. Absolutely. That's what he wants to do. Yeah. He wants everyone to know. He's a raging, raging narcissist. Truly believe their own delusions that they are entitled to people and things, and so. Even if a drunk Julie Giuliani is trying to coach him to be like rape is bad, he cannot help himself. No. He, he just it, it just wants to come out of him that what he did is fine. Yes, yeah. he he's to say it. He doesn't care. He loves living in his own delusion. It's reminding me of during the there's so many instances like this, but the one that always sticks out to me is when the pandemic was happening and it was like the worst like part of it, and everyone was inside and we all were really sad. People were dying. People's friends were getting sick. And he's like, two weeks, we're all going to be in church and we're all going to be holding hands. It's going to be Easter. And then we got there. He's like, oh, like I, I literally thought that it's like they Fauci and every single doctor was telling you this is going to last so much longer. But again, you chose to live in your own reality that was never real in the first place. Yep, totally. Yeah. Uh, it's I mean, at least look, <laughs> this poor you lawyer. I mean, there's no, it's disgusting. And like, again, I think that this was a lo- clearly a low end of how much he could have been uh, sued for, basically, in terms of this, you know, the five million dollars in damages. At least it's something. And to me, at least Eugene Carroll didn't let this go. She, you know, um, she held her own. She spoke like like, you know, forcefully and openly about this and kind of reclaimed her her truth and all that. I mean, and And again, I hope she can. My only hope is really like that she can go on to like have a normal relationship with somebody because she said that it like completely crushed her ability to be intimate with anybody. And that is very real for, I think, a lot of survivors. So that's what I wish for her. Um, I also wish for her that Trump's diaper explodes live on television at some point and he has to live in shame. But I, you know, he wouldn't. He would somehow blame the t- the cat or something. That's what I would do, right, Chitty? Anyway, let's move on. Uh, let's move on to our next story. Uh, another villain in our political landscape. Um, this was the week where we learned a bunch of new shady things that Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas has been involved in. Um, all the scandals, new scandals, old scandals, same scandals. Who, me scandals? Um, so he didn't disclose that he had real estate income for decades on a company that actually shut down in 2006. Um, we also learned not only that he uh, has gone on lavish vacations with a man named Harlan Crow, um, a billionaire who collects weird Nazi memorabilia, but now we know that Crow paid hundreds of thousands of dollars for his grandnephew to go to a private school. So that feels like a conflict of interest. Uh, And then the real kicker to me is that Clarence Thomas's wife, Ginny Thomas, we all know the Kraken, et cetera. um, She accepted money from a billionaire, uh, like judicial activist, basically um, 
named Leonard Leo, and she accepted money via uh, none other than Kellyanne Conway. And that, and it was hundreds of thousands of dollars in order to basically buy him off effectively. So let's look at this reporting from uh, the Washington Post quickly. Um, so judicial activists directed fees to Clarence Thomas's wife, urging no mention of Ginny. In 2012, Leo, this is Leonard Leo, instructed the GOP pollster Kellyanne Conway to bill a nonprofit group he advises and use that money to pay Virginia, Ginny Thomas, the documents show. The same year, the nonprofit Judicial Education Project filed a brief to the Supreme Court in a landmark voting rights case. Um, Leo is a figure in the network of nonprofits that has worked to support the nominations of conservative judges, told Conway that he wanted her to give Ginny Thomas another 25K, and he emphasizes that the paperwork should have, quote, no mention of Ginny, of course. You think they didn't know what they were doing was illegal? Um, it's right there. So this obviously isn't, to me, this is the biggest one. I don't know. I feel like the whole like Carlin Crow stuff is really, really bad. But like your wife is straight up accepting money for you to put your finger on the scale and to do all the things that we know the right has been wanting to do, whether it's more corporate tax breaks, whether it's, you know, uh, whatever, funneling money back to the one percent, taking away abortion rights, LGBTQ plus rights and civil rights, uh, gutting the you know Voting Rights Act. I, I want it. There's a lot more here. I just before we go, get to it, maybe I'll just go to Leonard Leo has a defense. He decided to speak out and he said, um, it's no secret that Ginny Thomas has a long history of working on issues within the conservative movement. And part of that work is involved gauging public attitudes and sentiment. The work she did here did not involve anything connected with either the court's business or other legal issues, which is bullshit. Um, as an advisor to the Judicial Education Project, I have long been a supporter of its opinion research relating to limited government and the polling company, along with Ginny Thomas's help, has been an invaluable resource for gauging public attitudes. All of these are just shadow shell nonprofits that create shadow shell information to just funnel money to <laughs> Clarence Thomas and his family. Um Anyway, they go, um, look, Rotimi, they're all friends. Yeah. <laughs> friends. You know, at this point, I'm waiting. I feel like in the next couple of days, you're going to release an article and be like, Harlan Crow and uh, Justice uh, Thomas have a shared bank account. Um, they go on vacations <laughs> together every week. They pay each other's rent. They take each other shopping. They take each other out for lunches. Like, I think they may be dating at this point because yeah. the way this is going is completely absurd. And this is why people don't trust their own institutions. Uh, you know, and Supreme Court justices want to sit and write these decisions and write all these decisions about how do we fix trust? That's whole Robert's thing is like, how do we fix trust in institutions? And it's like, you fix trust in institutions by not doing things like this. Yeah. So people don't think that every single Supreme Court decision has been bought by a corporate entity. You don't have yeah. decisions like Citizens United without corporate entities that have these loud political voices like they're any average protester. It makes no sense and it's embarrassing. Absolutely. And, yeah. and meanwhile, they say like, you know, that the Supreme Court is under attack. People are outside of Brett Kavanaugh's home writing in chalk on the sidewalk. <laughs> Real so sad. scary. 
tough right. spot. And you're like, man, you deserve that though. Like, do you understand what's happening here? But I do love the idea that Clarence Thomas has like a little Mickey Mouse credit card or like something with like flowers that's actually like <laughs> ha is Harlan's like bank account, you know, like ones you get your mistress. I don't know what people do. Um, okay, so what are we gonna do about it? This is the question, what can be done? One of the things that can be done, um, and Dick Durbin is the um, the head of the Senate Judiciary Committee. He's trying to like somehow hold Clarence accountable. And he's saying that we need to basically like appeal to the goodness of their hearts. He's, it depends on how you're reading him, but I wanted to play these clips for you to see what you think is, you know, he will actually do. Um, Dick Durbin says that apparently all options are on the table. Um, that he, you know, is takes this very seriously in terms of Clarence Thomas, but he ultimately rests action on the feet of Justice John Roberts. So um, take a look here. He is talking to uh, Jake Tapper. Let's turn to the U.S. Supreme Court, which is an area you've been focused on a lot in the last few weeks. As you know, Justice Clarence Thomas accepted years of free luxury trips from a GOP donor. Uh, he sold real estate to him, accepted free rent uh, mm -hmm. from him for his mother allowed him to pay for his grandnephew's private school tuition. Much of this not disclosed at all. Um, we also learned from the Washington Post that Justice Thomas's wife accepted tens of thousands of, of hidden payments from a conservative judicial activist, Leonard Leo, who's been very instrumental in shaping the court. Some of your fellow Democrats on Capitol Hill say that this seems to go beyond ethical lapses. It rises to the level of, of corrupt behavior. Is that a word you would use, corrupt? Well, I can tell you that the conclusion most people would uh, reach is that this tangled web around Justice Clarence Thomas just gets worse and worse by the day. Uh, I don't know what's going to come up next. I thought I'd heard it all, but more disclosures uh, about uh, uh, his activities it just it embarrasses me. The question is whether it embarrasses the Supreme Court and the Chief Justice. Chief Justice Roberts has the power in his hands to change this first thing tomorrow morning. He could announce a code of conduct for the court and finally means something. He could announce that the court will be subject to at least the, the minimal standards that apply to all other federal judges. This is the Roberts court and history is going to judge him by the decision he makes on this. He okay, so uh, oh. history, history can judge him. It's uh, Roberts has to take the action here. So once again, <clears throat> Jenny, we're asking the police to police themselves. I mean, this effectively is what makes me so upset about Democrats is as a lifelong Democrat and sometimes toying with other things that are progressive. <sighs> Democrats just can't say it. They just they just can't say it. They always have these mealy mouth, politically correct ways of just say corrupt. Yeah. He gave they, you the C word. He, he, he put it right there. Why are we? We know for a fact now that these sort of weird norms around political communication are completely eviscerated since Donald Trump has been in office. You can just say it. No one's going to go there and be like, let the record show you said the word corrupt. Did you right, know right. legal reason for there's a legal meaning of corrupt? How dare you say corrupt? This is what people used to do, right? No. Now you can say corrupt. Yeah. Just do it mm -hmm. because that's what it is. It's so, you know, we, you should go into the fact that these sort of right-wing judicial activists, because they love using the term judicial activism when it comes to left-wing uh, causes, they are actually completely sullied. This is not the sort of former ideal of what the judicial branch was, which is somehow above politics. No, this is, he is in the muck. Clarence and Jenny, by the way, 
don't don't confuse Ginny with Jenny. Okay, I don't claim. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> this is this is what they're doing. There there is so many. There's so much evidence that they are in the dirt. And so yeah. someone needs to take responsibility for doing something about it, whether it's Chief Justice Roberts, whether Dick Durbin doesn't want to take responsibility and want to just claim that history needs to accuse him of something. No, someone needs to take action. This is bullshit. Yeah. Um, but how, however, I want to just say that um, Leo Leonard has a defense, Jenny, that says that Ginny is totally like he does. She doesn't even like Clarence who? What do you mean? Uh, he says, quote, anybody who thinks Justice Thomas is influenced by the work, his work, in his work by what others say or do, including his wife, Ginny, is completely ignorant of who this man is and what he stands for. And anybody who thinks Ginny Thomas would seek to influence the Supreme Court's work is completely ignorant of the respect that she has for her husband and the important role that he and his colleagues play in our society. How dare you? How dare you accuse like him? It's like they completely forgot that she literally was like trying to get people down to the Capitol on January 6th. <laughs> like she, she has no respect. Exactly. She has no respect for American no. institutions. All she wants to see is like a theocratic fascist government where her religion can influence every single political and policy decision this country makes. Absolutely. Also, if you think Marlon Crow is paying for only Ginny's luxury items, no. Clarence Thomas is enjoying all the things that Harlan Crow is paying for, for both Jimmy, Jimmy, Ginny and him. I mean, okay. right. And it's like how exactly, you know, but uh, <laughs> Ginny yeah. has to get a comfort in or down the, down the street when they go on their vacations. Like she, yeah. she, she can't come along. Like, <laughs> like, do you know they sleep in separate bedrooms? They sleep in separate massive gilded bedrooms. Harlan with... only pays for Ginny's. Yeah, exactly. No influence. Zero <laughs> influence. <laughs> No, it's it's Bullshit. absolutely absurd. And then, of course, okay. So later, Dick Durbin basically says, "And uh, well, you know, Jenny, I know you have to jump, but we'll we'll end with this. You know yeah. that effectively, you know, he would like to subpoena Clarence Thomas himself to speak on these matters, but he actually doesn't have the majority because a one Senator Diane Feinstein." is unable to do her duties on the Senate Judiciary Committee and vote to say, yes, please subpoena Clarence Thomas. And so here's his, here's Jake Tapper's response. And look, Tapper has some, has some moments occasionally he'll like shine and, you know, uh, oops. Um, and it's great. And uh, this was, this was one of them. Give me a half sec to bring it up. We need her. Uh, it is a challenge in the Senate Judiciary Committee to do our business. For example, you raised the question of a subpoena, and I haven't reached any conclusion on that. But if we go down that path, we need a majority on the committee. Uh, right now, with her absence, it's a 10 to 10 committee, and the majority is not there. And a proxy vote doesn't count in this circumstance. So it's a complicated situation. I hope she does what's best for her and her family and the state of California and makes a decision soon as to whether she's Jake getting down. mad. Jake getting I mean, mad. All due respect, sir. You and your fellow Democrats were very ginger and very polite when it came to Justice uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg and not pushing her to retire uh, when you had a Democratic majority in the Senate. How'd that work out for you? How'd that work out for Roe v. Well, I, I can tell you, uh, you can uh, play these out and try to guess what the Supreme Court opinions resulting from it will be. Uh, the bottom line is, though, uh, we have in the past uh, had members of the Senate, I can think of a handful as I'm sitting here, Democrats and Republicans, who've been ab absent because of medical conditions for lengthy periods of time. 
I want to treat uh, Diane Feinstein fairly. I want to be sensitive to her family situation and her personal situation. Uh, and I don't want to say that she's going to be uh, put under more pressure than others have been in the past. Okay. This is, I mean, I, I wanted to play that out just so you could hear speaking to Jenny's, you know, mealy mouthed uh, comments. Like you could hear the fullness of what he's saying. He, there is no urgency. Women are dying right now because they can't get proper abortion care right now. And there's zero or I don't want to offend her family. You know how many families are being offended right now because of our lack of rights? I thought like whole point of this public service thing was to put people before yourself. That's why you jumped into it. Mm. Um, you know, they give speeches and go on campaign events and say they are doing this because they're putting people for others. Like, you know, part of me has like sympathy for Durbin. Like I imagine he spends a lot of time with her and they've been like friends for a while. So it's of like course. tough to like push they your friend summer the together. Door. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but at a certain point, like you really have to understand there's a bigger picture. Yeah. Um, and that's, I think what's disappointed me because, uh, you know, Feinstein's had a pretty great legacy. Like in San Francisco, she really helped a lot of people. Um, and I think she really was like the beginning of that upstarty progressive movement, but doing what she's doing now is really hurting all yeah. the past work she's done and hurting a lot of people, as you said. So it's really disappointing to, uh, it's really disappointing to see. It's sad to see. Really. Yeah. I mean, look, the, what the, at the end of the day, I wish he could be impeached, but Clarence Thomas is not going to be impeached. The least we could do is have him or Justice Roberts answer for what's going on here. Yes. And if, mm -hmm. and, and actually, yes, I mean, look, I think Durbin's right. I just don't think that it should come from, you know, the heart of Roberts. Like it should come from Congress holding folks accountable. This is why you have multiple branches of government so they can hold one another accountable in theory. And so that look, all we're saying is disclose. No one's even saying he shouldn't do this. I don't think he should, but no one in office is being like, this was really awful and you should be impeached. No, they're just saying like, be honest about it, right? Um, anyway. At least, at the very least, we need to trot out Clarence and Ginny so we can be like, shame. Yeah, shame. <laughs> yes. You know, just throw light, not rocks, just light. You want to see them Ow. naked? Or is, is this no. like Game of Thrones? Like, because I think I'll pass G on that. Ginny not going to look like Cersei over there. She's actually... Listen, we don't care about how conventional their attractiveness is, okay? We just want them shamed. That's okay, for the record. Oh, God. I, I just, I don't think there is any, I think, I don't know. These are narcissists. And the thing is, is like when you have, when you're in power for that long, including Diane Feinstein, I mean, my whole life, my whole political conscious life, that means like, oh, I understand what an elected official is. Feinstein's been in office. And it's like the narcissism, it grows. The socio sociopathy yeah. <laughs> grows the longer you are in that in power. And you can say with a straight face to a small child like Feinstein did, who's begging you to do something on climate change. They're there. You don't, you're not a voter yet. I don't answer to you. Like, sorry. yeah. Anyway, um, there it's so disgusting. We'll see how it plays out. But Jenny Yang, thank you so much for being on. You're wonderful. Everybody follow Jenny on uh, on the socials at Jenny Yang TV. Is that the same for IG, Jenny? Same, same, yeah. Hell yeah. Follow and much me, solidarity. See me as a, a on a show. Please. Live show here you. Yes.
JennyYang.tv. Um, Jenny's starting a series of live shows here in Los Angeles, I believe. And we're going to take it to New York in the summer. I'm going to yeah. be touring on the East Coast and Yay. Northwest. So, yeah. Hope Jenny's to see you so good live, you guys. She's she's the best. So um, take good care. And Rotimi, you're mine for another little bit. Let's go. Because <laughs> you you have a new article out. You're a contributor to the Daily Beast. And you wrote about what's going on with the youth vote specifically. Like, I think there's been a ray of hope in all this darkness, which is, mm -hmm. hey, Gen Z is going to be a massive force to be reckoned with. Watch out. Like them, you know, you legislating against drag queens and, you know, it, like allowing it, making it even easier to get a gun. Like none of this is resonating. Yep. It'll backfire. But, um, you know, as you wrote about, not unless the vote is suppressed. So let's just talk about youth voting in general. Like, why is it hard when you're a new young voter, you turn 18? Why is it hard to vote in this country? Yeah, no. So that's a really good question. Um, and the reason why I kind of decided to delve into this was kind of personal experience. Uh, before I uh, started working with the ACLU, a couple of years before I was a voting rights organizer in upstate New York at the college I went to. So prior to the 2016 election, I was helping register students to vote. And I found that it was so difficult. Um, you know, you'd meet someone and they were like really excited to vote and really wanted to, you know, first time voting. And the forms were really confusing. Um, and also the, the idea of the address that they would put would be the like a debate that I remember sitting around with at the time an attorney that was working with our group and we were trying to figure out what address they should put. Cause you know, if you think about it, you know, you're a kid in college, you want to put the address you're living at, you could put the dorm address. Right. Or you could put the PO box where like you get your mail. Right. Or you could put like the main campus address of where the college is, but technically the address where your dorm is, is shared with like, you know, up teen people. So that's not your real address technically. So your PO boss could technically also be considered your address because that's where you get mail. That's not actually where you live. Right. Um, so it's a really confusing process um, for a lot of kids, because if you're trying to figure out uh, if you want to vote in a new place, the address is a difficulty. And then your ID, you know, if you move to new school, you likely haven't changed your ID because that process is so difficult. I think as we all know, no one, the DMV and changing your address and getting a new idea is really difficult. So there's just a lot of different hurdles put in place. And it varies uh, from state to state, right? Because your mm -hmm. ID will have to match where your your current address is and all that. So it's like, like, I think in California, I've had it pretty easy, even though it is difficult here too. But also I went, yeah. to, I went to college in New York. So I remember that whole dance. Um, but like, what is the right answer on that? Can you just put or is it just it just varies and you have to figure out what the registration rules are in your particular state when you're at college so it does vary and i think uh you're gonna have to you know if, and if anyone's lis listening now and they're trying to figure it out i think the the what i'd recommend is on your campus there's definitely a group or there's kind of a student-run organization that's going to help you figure out what the best address is but it really does vary um, and i think that's one of the tough things, and I talk about this in the article in Iowa or now Idaho, they recently started banning student ID usage on uh, voting ID forms, even though this has been used for over a decade and they haven't had one single instance of any type of voting fraud or any type of voting issue. But you know why they're banning voter IDs now is because youth, the youth vote in Iowa is getting so high and right. a lot of political officials are concerned that they're going to lose their power. And Idaho and Idaho's going 
yeah. mean, they're going haywire uh, just in general. Like there's, it is crazy to be a Democrat in Idaho generally. Okay, so what are the tactics? You you talk about a few states. Florida seems to have like a trifecta of, of being very afraid of their mm-hmm. youth. Yeah, no. So I think the I think the biggest one is student is limiting the usage of student IDs. And uh, that's something that's happening been happening in Georgia for a while. Um, If you in a lot of colleges, you can't use a student ID unless it's run by the state. So you have students at private universities that have student IDs that they don't work. And I think we should remember that a lot of the top HBCUs in the country where you have a lot of young black kids are in are in Georgia and they don't have these state ID state student IDs because those are private universities. So you're disenfranchising kids at Morehouse, at Spelman, at all these great schools and all these kids that, you know, really want to get involved and their grandparents and great grandparents were fighting for the right to vote. And now they're at a school where a lot of the civil rights movements were born at these universities or colleges and uh, they're being disenfranchised to vote. Um, and it's really disappointing. So I think that's really the main tactic is yeah. kind of disenfranchising students with the student IDs. Yeah, I mean, that's that's huge because, for example, like I went to college in New York. I didn't have a New York ID. I mean, I had I had a fake ID from New Jersey that I got <laughs> on Bleecker Street. So there was that one. Um, that was like my first order of business when I got to college. Like, I need that fake ID. I could be from Jersey and I memorized my address. I forgot what it is now, but no. But like the real thing is I never had a New York state ID ever. Uh, I voted in New York, but I, I could vote with my student ID. Like I could vote. There's many different ways I could vote, but I didn't have the New York state ID. So like, but so you rescind that and you're you're just disenfranchising hundreds of thousands of people. Mm-hmm. And this is what Republicans have done for so long. You know, we saw this um, we saw this in the civil rights movement. We saw it in the 60s with the Voting Rights Act, really trying to put little things in places so people couldn't vote. So it'd be harder for people to vote. Things like poll tests, things, these really arduous restrictions that are really unnecessary. Um, and it's always targeted at groups that Republicans think that are going to vote against them and vote them out of office. So yes. I wrote this because I want a lot. I hope that a lot of people that read it, whether they're you know young voters or whether they're you know older people, but really do see how a lot of these attacks on our democracy are dangerous, can really you know kind of just watch what's happening and vote out the politicians in Florida and these states that are putting out these dangerous policies. Yes. And and one of those people who is who like, I mean, this whole clip is insane, but I just want to ask you who Cleta Michelle Cleta Mitchell is, oh. and then play a little clip from this leaked audio. Cool. Yeah. So who so, who is she? Cleta, so um if I could basically describe her in a short term, I want you to think of like any villain superhero movie you've watched and trump is the main bad guy and then there's like these little like henchmen that run behind the him behind the villain and like carry out their bidding and they're really most of the time awfully bad at it um (laughs) because they really don't know what they're doing and that is clear basically you know every time she's gone to court she's lost for the most part um and she was one of the main people that was trying to advise trump on how to basically take over the election in 2020 like what were the best strategies legally that um he could use um to basically flip the results his way and of course um she was the worst henchman ever because he was not successful uh but yeah she was the main lawyer she's one of the main lawyers behind the uh 2020 uh 
January 6th event. And again, that's saying events. a lot considering the cast of ghouls, inept yeah. ghouls who are trailing him and trying to make that all happen uh, at the Four Seasons Landscaping Company. Um, <laughs> but here she is talking. And do you know what meeting this is? Is it a mm -hmm. I'm, I'm not sure exactly where this audio is from. So this is a so different Republican groups every year they have a couple different retreats. And this is one of the conservative super PACs that uh, Trump is closely aligned with and DeSantis also. And um, they're in a yearly retreat and um, they met to talk about, um, you know, what was their plan going to be going to going into the next presidential election around voting rights. And it's like, how do we make sure that we have less turnout? Because for them, democracy works, their version of democracy works best when the least amount of people vote. So it was at this, you know, Republican conference where they really wanted to try to put their place, put their ideas in place. And it's thankful that we had a journalist that was able to uncover uh, this audio recording. Yeah, yeah. This is just a small, small snippet. So you can tell us what mm -hmm. else is in it. But here she is uh, talking about uh, how terrible it is that college students vote. So we need, we need to be looking at what are these college campus locations in Poland? What is this young people uh, effort that they do? They, they basically put the polling place next to the student dorm so they just have to roll out of bed and go back to bed. We need to look at what they're doing with these young people. It's like, um, organizing them? Talking to them about the issues? Like, they're just paying attention. That's yeah, yeah I don't know. <laughs> allowing them to vote, helping set up. So that's the other thing is a lot of people have been able to vote on campus. And that I know in number of states is going away. Mm -hmm. And she's sort of speaking to that. Yeah. Um, and I think an example of that was um, in Wisconsin, there was a state Supreme Court race. Um, and really at the center of this race uh, became abortion and reproductive justice issues. Um, and the Wisconsin Democratic Party um, smartly organized and really partnered with, um, you know, the, the Secretary of State and different um, government entities to make sure that students had the right to vote. And this now, after that election, because students at many universities in Wisconsin came out in droves to support candidates that were, you know, pro-abortion, um, pro-democracy, um, ultimately the conservative candidates lost. And um, I talk about this in my article, but former Governor Scott Walker, um, you know, many times failed presidential candidate, uh, came out and was just like, uh, we have to figure out something with young people. And I, it was really wild because he could have said, you know what, like, maybe there's an area we can compromise with young people. Maybe we can find something that uh, we like, but instantly went straight to voting and changing the way they vote, which just shows you that for them, again, democracy is best for them when the least amount of people vote. Yeah. And you know what? To me, and I say this to my younger self, I say this to my 20 year old self, uh, my you know 19 year old self who is like, you know, the two party system is bullshit. They're all the same. You know, voting is, you know, whatever. Uh, I always voted. I didn't I never abstained. Um, but I was very much, you know, you know, I think there's a lot of once you once you sort of understand how corrupt and similar the two-party corporate system is, you know, you get disenchanted and you don't want to participate in that. Mm -hmm. But then if this can be a galvanizing, you know, sort of um, moment for young folks to say, to understand that they don't want you to vote, do it because it pisses them off because they're ultimately afraid of you. And yeah, we need better candidates and we will get better candidates and we need to run for office. But my God, if they all they want is for that kid to stay in bed, bitch, at least he got up 
or she got up <laughs> out of bed and you know you know what i'm saying like yep. and went and voted that, what else did voters do that day that's what most people did mm -hmm. oh they rolled out of bed and they went and they voted so it's like exactly like you know that it's powerful because they want to take it from us mm -hmm. um and i guess my last question to you rotimi is like why are they why not just try to appeal to young voters why not try to give them their pitch on why they should vote Republican? Well, I think the GOP realizes that their ideas are outdated and they're not popular. You know, even <laughs> if you realize <laughs> they're terrible. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I really think they do because even if on the rare moments where I watch Fox News, they'll run a poll where they'll be like, oh, what percentage of Americans support any type of gun control? And it's over 50%. And the host has to like even admit that like, our own polling team has found that the majority of Americans support these progressive ideas. They, they support ideas like universal health care. They support ideas like gun control. They support ideas like everyone having access to abortion. And yet, you know, they just don't want to change their mind. And since they, you know, are held by corporate, by corporations and by this really like kind of hyped up conservative activist space that's making them make decisions, they have to result to voter suppression because they know that they can't change any of their policy positions. Right. They're too much. Uh, they're they're too big of cowards. Um, and yeah. And they ultimately are like, well, my billionaire sugar daddies wouldn't want this. I don't <laughs> need more votes as long as I can. A, a vote suppressed is a vote gained in their mind. Right. Yep. Mm -hmm. um, which is just incredible. Anyway, um, Ro, Timmy, thanks for writing this. And thank you for, for your reporting and all of your work. No uh, we have one final segment. Can you hang on? Oh, please. I'm here. Let's do here. it. Because there's a yeah, new king, ahead. guys. King, <laughs> what's his, I was going to call him George. King Charles III. <laughs> there he is. He was there in his little hat. I believe it's called the crown. Holding his scepters. Um, his little, like, you know, glitzy sticks. That's what I'm calling them, little glitzy sticks. And, uh, you know, he was, we did the coronation. They did the coronation. They had Camilla over there. Uh, you know, just, you, you got to kind of hate Camilla. I got, I hate Camilla. I mean, I've watched all of The Crown thus far, so I hate the shit great out show. of Camilla. <laughs> it's a great show, and I hate, love it. I mean, I'm, I'm look, it's very complicated. Uh, don't get in the way of love, y'all. That's all I have to say, because <laughs> you'll get Camilla and Diana. But anyway. The reality is, obviously, we could go into why the monarchy is outdated, and uh, but I want to talk about king shit. You know, there's a phrase out there, the king shit, yes, king, you go king, go off king, yay king, which is annoying to me because I think it, when yes, queen is like that, we say it ironically now, but king is yeah. all like king is like everyone says like king shit, go off yeah. king. So that's for another day. But I want to know, Ro Timmy, what do you think is king shit? Here we go. And to everyone out there, what what is it? What to you? I've got a few things written down, but any thoughts on what king shit is? King shit. Hmm. I well, I think for me, um, I was thinking about these the other day. King shit is, you know, sometimes on the street, just seeing a guy or girl even just holding a bouquet of flowers, I think is king shit instantly. <laughs> what do you mean? Going... Like, 
for someone or just holding it? Well, I think walking with it because it's either, you know, they're either bringing it to someone, a yes. boyfriend, girlfriend, or they're just, you know, having it in their house, making the house smell super nice. So I don't think you can ever be walking with a bouquet of flowers and it can be a negative thing. I even think like <laughs> Clarence Thomas for as annoying and ghoulish as he is. I think if we saw him with a bouquet of flowers, I think some people might be like, oh, maybe, maybe he's nice. Okay. Maybe he's, King he's cool. shit. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so just they, like proudly walking with a bouquet. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I love it. Okay. The first thing that came to my mind, king shit is buying tampons for your partner. Like mm. any man who's in a, who's with a woman and has ever balked at the idea of buying tampons or pads for their boo is just not doing king shit. Like that is the most like, yeah, I'm at the store or I'll go to the store and get you what you need. It's great. And you can pick them out if you know what kind she likes. The heavy flow, the light days. You know what I'm saying? Does she like unscented, scented? Talk to her. That is total king shit for me. Uh, anyway, um, anything else? I have a bunch. Ooh, okay. Um, you go. Let's do this. King shit. Another king shit. Um, <laughs> I think... I think it's really good. I love seeing when, um, you know, we, I, when I go out to dinner with people and you see who, who's ever at the table, um, sort of like, I don't know how to describe this, but like, I used to work in the service industry. So I mm -hmm. appreciate this um, when people have like plates or whatever, and they kind of like put them a little together. Um, so when the person is cleaning up the table, they can easily take it away. Um, I think that's like the nicest thing ever. Oh, to start um, clearing the table. Yes, yeah, start clearing the table. Um, the worst is when you have like a group of like adult men. It's usually, I'm just saying use adult men, but yes. they're like playing with their food like they're six and they're just like spilling things and like playing with like food. And it's like, I thought you stopped doing that like 20 years ago, 30 years ago. Um, so I think like eating like an adult and in public and keeping a clear space when like, uh, you know, a server's coming by. Oh my God, getting me. up to be the first one to like clear the table. Well, I mean, yeah, when you're eating out, I know it's different, but like, yeah, mm -hmm. getting up to clear the table. I mean, it also is just like what women have done for so long and what exactly. uh, if you don't do, Steven Crowder gets mad at you. But um, I like that table manners for sure. One time I saw two people, I was host, I was working as a host at a restaurant, um, which is the greatest job because it's simple, easy money. You just stand there and you smile. And you're like, oh, my God, do I have a four top? I don't know. <laughs> you don't get tips, but whatever. Uh, it was a good job. Well, and I saw this this guy at a date on a date and he was, I shit you not, drumming on the table. Like, <laughs> buddy, no, no. <sighs> she, you cannot. I would make an excuse. I'd get like an emergency call and be like, oh, my God, it's an Amber Alert. And I know <laughs> this person. And, you know, just go. You're drumming on the table. Stop. Not king shit. Um other things okay so di manners and sort of meal manners cleaning um king shit's going to therapy you know that's it you just lean into that you real men go to therapy kings go to therapy they don't really actually do they i mean do you think you, no. think, you think charles has ever been i guess he i I think if you are in the royal family, you probably need the most therapy. Yeah. Um, I thought, I don't know if you remember this instance in The Crown, but there's like this episode, I think in the latest season where they're like going back and reading their like whole like lineage. And I was like, I was a kid and I had to sit there and read about how my like grandpappy was like cutting people's heads off, like random oh, people. God. I think I would need some therapy after that. Absolutely. <laughs> I'll bit. never be enough. I'll never. 
I'll never uh, decapitate enough people. Yeah, it's very lore-like. It's so that's so weird. It is very like mm -hmm. Game of Thrones or even like Mandalorian. They just have a long like this is the way, and you're like, shut up already. I'm so tired of the way. By the way, not not to talk about Mandalorian like that, oh. but. <laughs> I'm just tired of the way. What's the way? I don't know. This is the way. Shut up. I don't know what the way is. I'm not going with you. I don't want your way. Um, King shit is organizing an adult hangout for you and your partner. That's right. Mm. Don't wait for your partner to take the initiative, usually women, on being like, let's get together with, you know, you know like, no, no, no. You do it. You initiate the text. You decide where we're getting together. We'll go out to a park. But ha making a plan, I love that. Um, and then finally wrote to me for me, King shit is doing executive actions this week. Biden, uh, in the wake of, again, yet another mass shooting is like, Oh, Congress needs to send me something. Send me something. Congress. It's like, just do it. Trump wanted to ban Muslims. He basically, he did do it. Let it get caught up in the courts. Do your king shit. Ban assault weapons. Ban assault rifles right now. King shit. No, that's I. It's actually really interesting you brought that up because um, that I think is an interesting like it's a like executive actions breaker. It's like a moment where you know if you look at FDR, you look at past American presidents that have been, that have been good. Some have been bad, but like just understanding your role and even being willing to push the limits a little bit when you know that you can help millions of people. Yeah. Uh, and even if you fail, ultimately, people recognize that you're fighting for them. Um, so I, I couldn't agree more with that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's just so insane. Like, like how far, yeah. How far behind we are and how like Biden almost relishes in leading from behind. It almost is like, he thinks there's um, value and valor in just saying like, well, I can't, you know, my hands are tied. You know, I believe like you're the last one who believes in democracy. Look at all the people around you. Just do it because we are dying out here. And so, you know, he I don't know, some mythical creature, some mythical Republican is going to like wake up out of their stupor and be like, I believe that children should live and have the ability to go, you know, to a mall and not have to die. Just. Anyway, that we haven't touched on uh, that as, as well, but next week is the one year anniversary. I can't believe it's been that long of the Uvalde massacre. So mm. there's there'll be more times to talk about our lack of gun control. But um, Rotimi Adioye, thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me. Um, where can people find you and follow you? Um, you know, uh, username underscore uh, Rotimi A, Twitter, Instagram. That's where I am. Um, I don't like Elon Musk, but I saw that he was going to basically get rid of all people that on Twitter that um, had usernames that weren't used in like multiple in over seven years. And there's someone with the Rotimi Adeyoye username who like many years ago I what? messaged and they like have not used their uh, page in a while. Um, so, you know, maybe uh, everyone can find me at, at Rotimi Adeyoye, but for now it's <laughs> at underscore Rotimi A. Rotimie, um, and that's yeah. so funny that your name is—is is it that common? Uh, it so it's a common Nigerian name. I remember when I was a kid, and I like um, I you know was you like, "Mom, my name is like very long, and no one has it." And she's like, "Oh, in Nigeria, everyone has it." And it's like, like oh, well, yeah, it's yeah, like, uh, yeah, I'm not there, right? It's like Michael Smith in yeah in Nigeria. That's so funny because my yeah. name in Italy is insanely common too. You know, mm -hmm. it's like Sarah, like cool. 
Um, yeah, dude. And there's a Francesca Fiorentini who, or no, there's an at Francesca on Twitter who's like sell mm. stuff on Poshmark, but from years and years ago. I'm like, girl, give it up. Turn it over. Turn yeah. it over. <laughs> yeah, you should have to forfeit. Um, yeah. <laughs> Elon, you get this one. Only, Only one. one. Yeah. All right, Rotimi. Be very well. Thank you so much for being on the show. And thank you all for being here. Um, I'm sorry I wasn't able to read all your comments. Um, God's favorite mathematician on Twitch says, the first time I heard King shit was from an Outcast song. Okay. Okay. I don't think I knew that. Um, Michael Gonzalez on YouTube, Republicans are scared of Gen Z and they fucking should be. Indeed. Um, Rachel Atwood, they don't want people under 25 voting. Yeah, basically. It's like, uh, you know, it's they want it to be like, you know, renting a car rules. Um, Seth Evans, imagine voting being convenient. Imagine, imagine that. Imagine voting being on a day off like so many countries do. Um, Bad Lefty says on YouTube, if he or she mistreats service workers, run, run for the hills. Not king shit. It's, oh, that's like the worst. Someone sort of being disrespectful to a service worker. Oh. Um, Cameraman 5000, thanks for being a member on YouTube, saying make Election Day a national holiday, abolish the Electoral College. Indeed, indeed, indeed. Um, Floyd the Barber, treating people well in service is king shit. That includes cashiers. Oh, God, yeah. I mean, has anyone ever seen a Karen or male Karen video and been like, oof, they look amazing. Look at how strong and sexy. Yes. Yes, King. I love your freak out. Freak out on me in the bedroom. You know, no, nobody's ever, no. No one's ever been attracted to anyone in those those videos. Uh, Robert, with the super chat, saying, Francesca has led a full and complicated life so far to date. Thank you, Robert, for your tip and for stating the truth. Man, I've led, I think I'm on life seven. I think I have two more lives in me. Um, I don't know. We will see. I am my cat. My cat is, my cat's living her best life, just napping, chilling. Um, Daniel Lee, Harlan Crow is definitely a Scooby-Doo villain. Hi, Daniel. And yes, he, he's so evil. He's just like behind the scenes. Oh, it's Harlan Crow. Like we should rewrite every movie to just be like, oh, it was Harlan Crow the whole time. Indeed. Uh, that makes sense. Anyway, y'all, um, Re thank you so much for, uh, you know, all, all the things. And I got to get to the fart song here. We have a few new patrons and we have a few folks who who did up their pledge. And I apologize if I don't apologize. Don't ever say don't. OK, fine. I'm sorry. Um, if I don't get to everybody, this is the fart song. The new patrons at $10 or more, Rochelle Van. You're wonderful. And just during the show, John Winkler became a $20 patron. Oh my God. That's amazing. Thank you so, so, so much. You literally helped this show be possible. That's that farts for you. King shit. King shit is becoming a patron of this show. Let's see. Thanks for upping your pledge, Peter H. Thank you, Sheila, for upping your pledge. I hope I got that. Thank you, Brandy Lou, over on Twitch for gifting one month of uh, Tier 1 sub to It's Just Vegas. 
and also gifting another community sub. Thank you, Ma the Maestro, the Maestro, uh, for resubscribing. Um, you've been subscribed for two months. Saying hi, Fran. What up, Dory B for resubscribing for one month of tier one, nine months subscribed, nine months significant number in some circumstances. Looking forward to nine more. Indeed, bless you. And thank you, Paper Dragon Art for resubscribing with Prime, eight months subscribed, subscribed, and Ravens Flight Eleven resubscribed for one month of tier one a few days ago. Faye Molly subscribe with Prime. You know you can do that, of course, if you have Amazon Prime. And Robot Monkey Cat subscribe with Prime as well, um, saying yay. Bienvenidos, everybody. And don't forget, Friday we got a bonus fish. It's going down. We're going to talk about all the things that we didn't get to today and much more and some funny stuff. You guys remember Big Vega Energy from last week. Uh, if you don't know, become a patron. Thank you to Paige Omek. Thank you to Maximilian Inhoff and editor Andy Vasoyan. We stream every Tuesday and Friday, 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern. And remember, fight the power, fuck the patriarchy, and don't just bitch about it. Be about it. Later. Later.